0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.
1: Hospitalizations for COVID in San Diego hit a record high.
2: We've seen about a doubling in the the share of COVID patients in hospitals.
1: I'm Maureen Cavanaugh with Allison St. John. This is KPBS Midday Edition. Some tips on caring for your mental health during this unusually stressful holiday season.
3: People are experiencing the environment outside and the environment on television and in the media to be extra stressful.
1: And we put a new spin on a Thanksgiving tradition here on Midday Edition. And welcome back Chef Bernard for some turkey talk
4: brine your turkey, make your cranberry sauce, bake your desserts, get your vegetables ready. Don't forget to get the wine. That's ahead on Midday Edition.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.
1: Even before the Thanksgiving holiday, San Diego hospitals are reporting a record number of COVID patients being admitted. The official county number as of yesterday is 518 beds being used by COVID patients. The Hospital Association has the count up to 576. Although San Diego's hospital capacity is not being strained right now, and there's a better understanding of how to treat patients suffering from COVID, the concerns are growing about what may be ahead during this holiday season. Joining me is reporter Paul Sisson, who covers health care for the San Diego Union-Tribune. Paul, welcome back. Thanks for having me. What do public health officials think this rise in hospitalization stems from?
2: Uh, You know, a lot of uh, maskless activity going on, uh, you know, in the last few weeks, especially uh, right around Halloween. Uh, You know, they've said that hospitalizations usually lag infection by three to three and a half weeks. So that would put us, uh, you know, if we're seeing a spike in hospitalizations now, uh, it would stand to reason that a lot of those exposures probably occurred right around Halloween.
1: And what were daily coronavirus diagnosis numbers like three weeks ago, and what are they now?
2: Uh, you know, we were seeing, uh, you know, hospital census uh, numbers uh, in the, uh, you know, 200 range. We were seeing uh, new case totals daily in the four to 500 range. Uh, and now I think four of the last seven days have been over 1,000 including a new record of more than 1,500 cases in a single day coming in yesterday.
1: Now, you spoke with uh, Chief Executive Officer of Scripps Health, Chris Van Gorder, and he told you that it's fortunate that this particular increase in COVID patients is coming on a holiday week. Why is that?
2: Yeah, you know, if you think about it, uh, none of us want to have an elective surgery or a schedulable surgery right before uh, we, you know, celebrate a holiday. So uh, you know I I hadn't really thought about it that way, but it does make sense that people, if they're able to schedule something, might choose to to schedule after the holiday rather than just before it. So they're not uh, convalescing uh, right during the holiday itself.
1: So even with the surge, the overall hospital bed capacity hasn't really increased that much.
2: What's interesting is they've been able to keep the total number of patients hospitalized in San Diego County under 80% of overall capacity. As we see a larger number of COVID patients, we, we're now seeing, I think about 12% of all hospitalizations uh, dedicated to COVID compared to only about 6% on November 1st. So we've seen about a doubling in the um, the share of COVID patients in hospitals, but it's still nowhere near, um, even 50% of all hospitalized patients. We've still got, a, you know, as of yesterday, more than 4,000 hospitalized uh, patients total, and only 518 or COVID. Uh, The issue is that you need to take care of everybody. uh, You don't want to get into a situation where you're telling people who need surgery that they have to stay home because you have so many COVID patients that that you just don't have room to to handle both. You want to be able to handle everybody who needs care, not just the COVID patients. That's why they're, you know, very nervous about the increasing burden of COVID as we go along, because that could eventually force them to make tough decisions about delaying non-COVID care as they had to do in the spring.
1: Now, isn't there a threshold of hospital occupancy that's been set by the county? And what happens if we go past it?
2: That's right. Uh, the, the county has said, let's reserve 20% of, of hospital capacity for COVID patients. Uh, so if we see the numbers popping up into that uh, you know, over 80% range of, of overall occupancy, then that's when hospitals are expected to start. Calling some of their elective cases and delaying surgeries and other procedures to get back down uh, under that threshold. Um, it's a little unclear to me, uh, you know, if COVID patients are making up a certain percentage of the overall pie. Uh, you know, is it okay as long as um, non-COVID cases remain below that that 80% threshold? It's a, that's a little unclear. It's a little unclear exactly how they're going to finesse this. Uh, as we go forward. And, and it does seem like we're gonna continue to see an elevated hospitalization rate. Uh, the very good news uh, I learned from talking to uh, an executive at Sharp Healthcare yesterday is that they've gotten quite a bit better at treating hospitalized patients. He said their overall length of stay in the hospital has dropped from something like an average of 13 days down to only six. Uh, so that that allows them to clear patients through the system more quickly, which is, which is very handy in a situation like this.
1: In a situation like this, with Thanksgiving coming up this week, are hospitals preparing for another influx?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, they're doing everything they can to convince uh, their their healthcare workers to work as much as they can get them to. You know, and what what a lot of the executives have told me is really um, staffing is the biggest concern. Uh, you know, hospitals in in a in a time when you don't have a pandemic have to flex their staff up and down based on an unpredictable number of patients coming through the door so there is this class of healthcare workers called travelers who will work at one hospital you know on a short contract and then go somewhere else and and work there and and a lot of those travelers have moved east as we've seen massive increases uh, in other states
1: Uh, i've been speaking with paul sisson who covers healthcare for the san diego union tribune paul thank you and happy thanksgiving
2: Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you.
5: This Thanksgiving offers us all a unique challenge, how to keep the focus on gratitude, even when under considerable stress. The pandemic has left many of us either isolated and lonely or, on the other hand, overwhelmed by constant contact with the ones we love. Here to help us with insights on how to stay sane and remember the reason we are celebrating is David Peters, a marriage and family therapist who has a practice here in San Diego. David, welcome. Good to be with you. So now, according to a CDC study, more than two in five Americans have said they're experiencing mental health issues associated with the pandemic, almost half of us. How do you expect these stressors to show up in the coming holidays?
3: Well, as I'm observing my clients, I find them to be short on attention, short on temper, short on patience. People feel overwhelmed and their margins uh, for relaxation are very, very small now. People are experiencing the environment outside and the environment on television and in the media to be extra stressful. And I think it's uh, shortening everybody's ability to relax and to be in a healthy connection with one another.
5: Hmm. Now, the survey also found that that certain groups are more affected than others. Talk a bit about who is finding this pandemic the toughest and why.
3: Yeah, well, unfortunately, while some of us are just finding uh, a little bit of uh, loneliness in our home while we sit home on the weekend, others are experiencing job losses, a threat of losing their apartment that they're renting, a threat of losing their house. And these are extraordinary stressors for the average family. Black and Hispanic citizens around us are more likely to be essential workers who are exposed to the virus and who are forced to continue working or first to lose their jobs. And so from both ends, they're experiencing extra stressors that are what we call existential threat to the family. Uh, Otherwise, those who are first responders, medical technicians, uh, doctors, nurses, they're experiencing extraordinary levels of stress coming home from long days and feeling low on hope, feeling low on energy, feeling that they're depleted. So yeah, some of us have minor disruptions such as myself. I continue to work uh, online, continue to be in good health, and there's not a threat, but For others, this time is an existential threat.
5: An existential threat. Talk about what some of the people coming to you for help are telling you about how the holidays make them feel.
3: Well, for some, they're finding that they have to spend their holidays away from loved ones for the first time. Where they had plans to be traveling and visiting family or have family come to see them, many are finding themselves just gonna be alone at home uh, for the holiday. And that's very, very new for some people. Uh, some are wishing they could uh, be joining their family in another state, another city, and they're deprived of that opportunity. Uh, people are fatigued of finding their friends online or finding their friends by a Zoom video, and they wanna join them. They wanna have that gathering. And this is leaving them feeling more isolated. We find that sometimes people spending time in Zoom meetings with friends find it unsatisfying. They, they don't get to hug their friends. They don't get to feel like they're really with them. And even that can be adding to a sense of alienation.
5: Right. That feeling of loneliness is is tough, especially at Thanksgiving when you're expecting to be with other people. What would you say is the best way to approach feelings of isolation and and loneliness?
3: Yeah, for those who are unfortunate enough that they're spending Thanksgiving alone, they're particularly my concern. I would say make a plan for the whole weekend. Don't think about missing a holiday dinner. Think about what do I want to do the entire weekend? I'd say make a list of people you'd like to spend some time with on the phone. Make a list of those you'd like to share a warm conversation with and make a plan for contacting each one of them. Go down that list. So every day you're spending time sharing, catching up, laughing, telling stories, whatever you can do. For some, a Zoom video or something will feel good. For others, the telephone might be better. But... Don't spend this time just laying in front of the television or scrolling social media on your phone. Spend this time in as much connection as possible with your loved ones. Relationships are really, really important. But also, I think for those who are at risk of depression and anxiety in this holiday season, it's really, really important to take care of your brain and take care of your body. So I tell people, minimize the amount of alcohol you're using. Don't get lost in a cannabis fog. That's not going to help you. Take care of your sleep. Make sure you're getting to bed in the dark and waking up in the morning and getting some exercise. Good sleep and good exercise are some of the best preventions for depression and anxiety that we have, short of medications. And so to really be thinking of what can I do that's going to contribute to my health and well-being for a lot of people, you can get outside, especially those of us in San Diego County, you can go on hikes, you can go walk neighborhoods, you can, as long as you're staying away from crowds, you can be outdoors in a park, you can be exposing yourself to beauty at the beach and in the mountains. And to do that allows you to feel more free, feel more active and feel more connected to the world around us. And also, I think it's important to be thinking of what can I do that's creative? Can you spend time in an art project? Can you spend time trying new recipes, poetry reading or writing? Things that allow you to be creative, things that allow you to feel yourself are those that are going to help you prevent depression and anxiety during this holiday.
5: Let me ask you, should we be forgiving ourselves more this year if, if we have a hard time, you know, feeling grateful and find ourselves getting irritated more easily? Yes.
3: Well, in times of stress, what I coach my clients is to practice compassion. Any of my clients will recognize, oh, David's talking about compassion practice again. But it's really, really important to be practicing compassion for yourself and practicing compassion for one another, particularly in this time where the politics has been so stressful. The politics has been nearly ugly between families and friends sometimes sometimes. And by practicing compassion, what I mean is forgiving people for their short temper, forgiving ourselves for our limited ability to reach out, uh, forgiving all of us and showing respect and care and gentleness for those around us, but showing respect and care for ourselves. Thank you so
5: much, David.
3: Always good to be with you.
5: We've been speaking with David Peters, a marriage and family therapist who has a practice here in San Diego.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by Bill Howe Plumbing, Heating and Air, Restoration and Flood Services. Family owned and operated for three generations, Bill Howe has been serving the plumbing, heating and air and water damage needs of the San Diego area since 1980 with their fleet of trained professionals. Bill Howe has the ability to service all major and minor plumbing and HVAC emergency needs 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Bill Howe is committed to providing excellent service to their customers with transparent quotes and attention to detail on every job. Whether you're in need of an HVAC installation, plumbing, or water damage restoration in San Diego, they offer the convenience of scheduling an appointment over the phone, online, or through live chat on their website. Call 1-800-BILL-HOWE or visit BillHow.com Because we know how.
1: This is KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Cavanaugh with Allison St. John. So many things are different about this Thanksgiving holiday because of the pandemic we're advised not to travel not to have large gatherings and to avoid the usual family holiday reunions. But it's still Thanksgiving and we still have things to be thankful for. And one thing we're thankful for here at Midday is that we're able to bring you an annual Thanksgiving tradition. Chef Bernard Gias is here for some turkey talk. And just to remind you, Chef Bernard is the executive chef of the La Jolla Beach and Tennis Club's The Shores Restaurant and the Marine Room Restaurant. Welcome, Chef. It's so good to speak with you.
4: Bonjour, Maureen. It's always a pleasure to be able to share the love on these very special celebrations.
1: You know, I'm wondering how different is your preparation for this year's dinner at the restaurant and at your home?
4: Well, I would say that it's very, very different because usually I have the shores and the club who have big buffets and this year there is no buffet. And the Marine Room is extremely busy with about six, seven, eight hundred guests. And this year, unfortunately, the Marine Room is closed. So we are focusing on the outside dining at the Shores and the club, and uh, it's looking really good. We will have great celebration, that's for sure. When it comes out at home, but you know, I am working that day. So Mm. my home is my work and I love it.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, a lot of gatherings will be smaller this year, whether people are working or not. Lots of people may want to pair back on their holiday meal. Now, we usually have people call in to ask you questions directly, Chef, but as I said, this year is different in many ways. This year, we asked listeners to send us some of their questions. And our first question is from Marissa Cabrera.
5: Bonjour, Chef Bernard. This is Marissa, former Midday
3: Edition producer. And my question is, given the pandemic, how would you approach cooking a small turkey dinner for two people? Happy Thanksgiving to you and the rest of the midday team. Merci.
4: Well, it is always a pleasure to hear that beautiful voice. And I would say that, you know, dinner for two, uh, I would recommend that you cook maybe like a, a small turkey. Because remember, there's turkey available are around 10 pounds, I would say, 10 to 14 pounds. Or you can use the turkey breast. And... uh my sister in France, for example, will use a turkey breast because she has a, a small family. And what they would do is she would make the stuffing, but instead of baking the stuffing on the side, she would butterfly the turkey breast, put the stuffing inside, and then slowly roast it in the oven, which is great because it's really a, a, a one one one-pot recipe, I would say, because it's really everything in, in one. So it's really, really delicious, keeps it nice and juicy. And of course, you have your basting, you know, Brittany, a lot of butter and, and fresh herbs, which is really, really great. It's a great way to do it.
1: How do you make gravy if you're roasting a turkey breast?
4: Well, um, my recommendation is that you roast some vegetables, for example, onion, carrot, celery, thyme, a little bit of sage with a little bit of butter. And then when it's nice and brown you will add the same amount of butter and flour to make a roux so you add your butter first you melt it with those roasted vegetables you add your flour and then If you want to have a really great flavor profile, add some Madeira or Marsala, which is not a very expensive wine whatsoever. And then you add some chicken bone broth, very important. Bone broth has much more uh, flavor and it's richer in flavor. And then what you will be able to do after that is you simmer it for about 30 to 45 minutes and then you strain it and you will have a beautiful, beautiful gravy.
1: We have another question. This one is from Kim.
0: Hi, this is Kim in La Mesa. I was wondering what your best advice is for someone cooking Thanksgiving dinner for the first time this year.
4: Well, you have to be uh, well organized and make sure that all the recipe that you will do are very easy to put together. So the simpler it is, the better it will be. So um, I would recommend that you already make a list of all of your the ingredients that you will need for uh for the feast and then you see what you can prepare today so you could be able to prepare for example your cranberry relish you bake your pecan pie you can get ready with your uh, with your stuffing uh get your vegetables ready Want to mean by that peel trim and everything goes in the fridge and then tomorrow You just have to put the bird in the oven and just enjoy the beautiful aroma who will take over the whole house, which is, like, I would say, aromatherapy for all your senses.
1: It's so delicious. Yes, it is. You know, chef, it's a lot easier to get a small chicken than a small turkey. Would that be a good substitution?
4: Yeah, that would be a good substitution. But my recommendation, make sure that you buy, like, a chicken who's going to be, I don't know, five six pounds so it's a nice big chicken an organic chicken is the way to do it what i I like to do is i stuff the cavities with some fresh herbs and then i put some maybe some onions and some carrots and some garlic and if you want you can even put some fresh herbs right under the skin and some butter under the skin and when you cook it you roast it very very i would say slowly at 350 degrees and uh, it's going to be just just delicious It's gonna be awesome
1: you know, of course, I've heard you mention butter several times, <laughs> which is, of course, what our turkey talks are famous for. But I'm wondering, is it the same process of of butter basting a turkey breast as it is, uh, you know, a regular whole bird?
4: Yeah, you know, the, the the technique is exactly the same. But what you want to do is you make sure that you cook it at about 325 degrees, not more than that. So the reason I say that is because you wanna make sure that that breast doesn't shrink. So if you cook it at high temperature, that muscle will just shrink a little bit and and the juices usually have a tendency to escape the uh, the the flesh itself so what you want to do is you cook it at 325 you baste it every 20 minutes to make sure you don't forget about the turkey and forget about the basting you could have a little timer so like this you're all set it will cook much quicker so i would say at 325 degrees for a seven pound couple of hours and then you, you you're ready to go you need to make sure that you rest that turkey breast for about 10 to 15 minutes. If you slice it right away, you will have all the juices will escape and you will have a dry turkey. So it's very important to, to give a little bit of resting time to the turkey.
1: I'm speaking with Chef Bernard Gias and we are talking turkey as our annual Thanksgiving special. And right now uh, we have a clip. Someone had called in uh, with another question about cooking hot turkey.
6: Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. This is Mead from USD. And my question is about a hot cooked turkey where you roast at uh, 450 or even 500 degrees uncovered instead of covering and basting and all the rest of the stuff you do at a lower temperature for a longer period of time. In my house, we've done a variation of this for years. And we include a couple days of dry browning beforehand and most of the time, most of the time comes out great, but every fourth time or so, the breast gets overcooked and it doesn't seem to matter what the thermometer says when you pull it out. So with that in mind, I've got two questions for you. The first is, what do you think of starting the bird with the breast side down for 30 minutes or so, so you can get the dark meat going without overdoing the breast? And second, since the juices need to mingle before it gets to temperature, and given how fast things happen in a hot cook, how do you know when it's done?
4: Thanks. Well, it looked like it is a, a turkey of Cirque du Soleil. It's upside down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is this. When you, are ter- when you are cooking a turkey, breast side down, it's a really great way to do it because it's true that all the juice will go toward... Uh, toward the breast and you'll be able to cook the legs and, and, and the thighs and all that all that area. The only thing is there is a little bit of uh, a safety that you have to really be very careful because now you're going to have to have a very hard bird that you have to flip back. So my recommendation is you can, uh, is, is to cook it at a high heat at the beginning for maybe like a, an hour and then you lower the heat down to about... Um, 350 or something like this and then you'll be able to really have everything cooked really properly you need to make sure that you are cooking the the temperature has to be at 160 degrees in the thickest part of the thigh not 180 degrees so the recommendation is always 180 but but by, by the time it's 180 in the uh, in the thigh your breast will be very overcooked So you have to remember that this is, the bird itself, it becomes almost like an oven. So at 160 degrees, when you take it out, it will continue to cook and go to 180 on its own. So as you're resting it for about 30 minutes, and then you're able to really have all those juices pretty much flowing all throughout the bird, and the bird will be nice and tender and juicy.
1: You know, Chef, a lot of people like to fry their turkey. We have a question about that from Kenneth in Chula Vista.
4: Hi, Chef Bernard.
7: I'm planning to fry a turkey this Thanksgiving, and I'd like to know what ingredients you would use for marinade to inject the turkey with. Thanks.
4: All right, so you have to be very careful with the injections when you are doing fried turkey, uh, and you have to really follow the instructions. If you have too much liquid into that turkey in those injections uh what will happen is that during the cooking process that liquid will come out and you have a chance that uh when it's released into the oil the oil can go over the pot and then create a fire now what i would recommend is you use you do a dry brine using a dry brine is you, you dry spice the whole turkey in and out and under the skin and you will be able to get really great results. Um, when it comes to flavors, I really like, uh, you know, a flavor is going to be really like it's like some apple and spices. So like this, you know, you really give it a nice flavor to the um, to the turkey. Uh, it's three minutes per pound. It's very very quick. Uh, the the thing to do is making sure that when you are uh, defrying your turkey, that you usually you make sure that you have all the safety. Uh, around that pot. So no kids around, no pets around, just mom or dad cooking it and being very, very cautious that, uh, you have, uh, you don't, you don't have a fire and you, and, and nobody gets hurt. One year, some guys came in in front of the Marine room and they fried the turkey on the beach. It was a sight. So I went to see those guys and that Turkey was just beautiful. So it's a great technique. And uh, you just have to make sure that you keep it safe. <laughs> very
1: good advice. We have another question, this one from Dan Eaton, about carving a turkey breast.
7: Chef Bernard, I'm Dan Eaton, a legal analyst. <laughs> I have a very non-legal question. How long after removing a bone-in turkey breast from the oven uh, should you wait before carving it? And once you do start to carve it, What's the best way to do that?
4: Well, the best, the best way to carve a turkey is you make sure that you rest your turkey for about 20 to 30 minutes. And so you take it out of the oven or you can open the oven, shut down the oven, open the oven, and it will rest in the oven. It means that it will stay nice and hot as well. Uh, and when you are starting to carve your turkey, you'd carve from the breast, you carve the breast first, and then you do the, the legs um it's really important to make sure that you are resting the turkey so even if everybody is hungry you have to tell them that maybe they want a little cocktail maybe they want to just take a little walk outside but that turkey need to rest so like this it will be just perfect because if you carve it too early then all the juices will escape the flesh and then it will be dry so this is this is the thing that you have to always remember time is of the essence don't rush it. <laughs> Don't rush it.
1: Now we always like to talk about vegetarian and vegan options too for Thanksgiving. What are some of those?
4: Well, for vegan option, vegan option, of course, you have tofu turkey, right? This is the uh, this is the to go. But you know, there is so many other things that you can do. You know, this is the time of the year where you can go to your farmer's market where there's bountiful vegetables available. So, for example, if you do some roasted vegetable platter, you can do some wild rice. You can have some healthy grains with it. I love to do, you know, like a squash curry, Brussels sprouts roasted with pistachios, um, candied onions, and maybe a little bit of balsamic syrup. Cauliflower, you can do cauliflower gratin. Or I did it the other day. I did some uh, air fried cauliflower steaks in the oven and my neighbors knock at the door because it smelled so good (sighs) of course i had a bit of cardamom with it but mm, it was so good roasted sweet potatoes with honey butter and cardamom I love my cardamom, white leek uh, casserole, celery root mashed potatoes. So you can do a mashed potato with celery root. Say it's it's like you don't really care about potatoes anymore. Say, can I do a mash? It would be really, really cool. You do it with uh, celery roots, which is really delicious. And then, of course, for that, when you are making those dishes, you can use the vegan cheese, cashew butter, nut milk, oat milk, and all that. the interesting thing is from last year to this year, I have been uh, much more vegetarian or pescatarian than ever. So I've done a lot of research when it comes to, uh, to this uh, uh, side dishes. And not only I did research, but I'm cooking at the house all the time. I feel better, maybe look better, and <laughs> life is delicious.
1: Uh, we, you mentioned Brussels sprouts. We actually have a question about Brussels sprouts.
8: Hi, this is Thad Kouser. Professionally, I am a political scientist at UC San Diego, uh, and I am a very amateur home chef. And my question for Chef Bernard is about an issue of controversy in our Thanksgiving dinner every year with our extended family. It's divided us. It's polarized us. That is, what's the best way to cook Brussels sprouts? We're in two camps. I'm in the whole sprout camp. You cut off the base, maybe make a little X mark in it, but you cook the thing by itself. But my brother-in-law's mother, who always gets the right to cook our Brussels sprouts at Thanksgiving, slices and dices them so that they're uh, little bits uh, and pieces. Now, the dish she makes is amazing, but that's because it has olive oil and garlic and bacon, and that makes everything amazing. But I miss that center, that nutty bitterness of a... Brussels sprout. So Chef Bernard, please tell us what is the best way to cook a Brussels sprout and uh, whether it's one way or the other, or if you can find a compromise, a moderate compromise in between, uh, save our Thanksgiving. That would be great. Thank you and hope everyone has a restful and safe holiday.
4: Ah, uh, it's a very good question. Brussels sprouts. My family is exactly the same. There, some people like it chopped. Some people like it roast, all roasted. So my grandmother will all roast the Brussels sprouts. We've of course she's from Brittany, so you have the butter, you have the garlic, you have the fresh herbs, and she put it in the oven. The only thing is when you cook it that way, it's um. It has a very, very uh, strong flavor. And for me, I like to cut it into pieces and then roast them because the more caramelization you're getting on that Brussels sprout, the most flavor you will have. So if you caramelize those Brussels sprouts and roast them, uh, it can be roasted in a pan or in the oven, and you finish it with... You know, they like a little bit of that sweet and a little bit of that sour. Those Brussels sprouts, So you can have a little bit of balsamic and a bit of honey, or a little bit of honey, a little bit of citrus, and it would be just delicious. So, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to say, Grandma, I love you with your whole Brussels sprout. But guess what? My Brussels sprout, when they cut into <laughs> into pieces, are so much better. <laughs>
1: improvements the generations make improvements now some people might want to experiment this year since they don't have to please grandma or other relatives with the same traditional dishes so this question comes from Krista Bartlett who asks what's an easy impressive side dish
4: you know, the thing that I like to do is you take beautiful carrots who are in season now, some orange juice, some ginger, a little bit of butter, or even a little bit of olive oil, and then you slow cook it on the stove and they caramelize with their the sugar of the carrot and the sugar of the oranges and the ginger, it is delicious. You know, if you take some yam and you make a gratin, and instead of instead of making it just regular you can have a little bit of mascarpone and some spiced rum it is really really good instead of french green beans do sugar peas with toasted almonds and and shallots uh you know if you take butternut squash You can cut it into planks. You can roast it. Then you do a brown butter and sage with it, which will be delicious. Then mashed potato, of course. But if you want to make the best mashed potatoes, you need to start cooking in cold water with a little bit of salt. Then you pass it to a food meal and you finish it with butter, creme fraiche, and a little bit of mascarpone, salt and pepper. You need to put a lot of butter. Butter is the key ingredient into your mashed potato. And I'm not kidding. When you are tasting that mashed potato, you'll be like crazy. The great thing about it is when you have leftover, you can do a little bit of shepherd pie the day after with the leftover turkey and leftover mashed potato, which is fantastic.
1: And we have another question. This one from Jade Heineman, our Midday Edition co-host. She has a question about a special mac and cheese. Hi, Chef Bernard, I'm curious to know what your
8: best recipe is for seafood mac and cheese. Also, is it important to
4: saute the seafood before adding it to the mac and cheese mixture? Thanks. The best seafood mac and cheese that I like to do is made with crab meat, shrimp and scallops and a little bit of cream of course your pasta and your um your cheese now the best cheese is to use petit basque i like the petit basque because he has that really creamy flavor and no you do not need to cook your seafood in advance
1: okay well i'll be back with chef bernard Guillas in just a moment more turkey talk is coming up after this short break first a few words of wisdom
9: from one of our listeners My name is Kathy Cullen and I live in Carlsbad, California. It's been so difficult to do the right thing. Uh, I tell you, it took us a while to figure it out. I'm close with my family and we want to be together, especially now, but this year it isn't business as usual. So my sister isn't coming to Carlsbad from Montana. My daughter isn't coming from New York city, nor my son from Baton Rouge. I will not have a house full of people this year for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Instead, on Thursday morning, I'll start my day with yoga in the gardens, and then later in the afternoon, I'll meet a couple of friends on the beach. We're going to each bring our own meal, and I'll probably bring a sandwich. My family will get to see each other on Zoom in the afternoon, so that's awesome. I'm okay with the chains of plans, really. It's just for now, it's not forever.
1: I'll be staying home alone and not observing the
5: holiday. I am a very senior citizen and I'm practicing an
9: abundance of caution with the intention of surviving the pandemic.
1: You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Cavanaugh here with Chef Bernard, executive chef of the La Jolla Beach and Tennis Club's The Shores Restaurant and The Marine Room Restaurant. We just heard a comment from listener Diana Dwyer from Coronado, and she's made the difficult choice of staying home alone this holiday. Chef, do you have any advice for people who are making that choice? Can they still get some pleasure from the day and some great food for Thanksgiving?
4: Yes, indeed. But the thing that you want to do is uh, um, look at restaurants, for example, who are delivering, who have to go, and you are able and will be able to get a wonderful Thanksgiving dinner delivered to your apartment or to your house. I think that's a great way to do it, and also, the thing to, to do is really um, uh, connecting with your family. You know, you have Zoom now. You can just give a call. I know that I will be Zooming with my uh, with my mom, for example, in France, even that we don't really have Thanksgiving, but she knows that we have Thanksgiving here. And it is an important holiday for me now because uh, I, I live here and this is my life and it's my home. And uh, um, we will talk about all the thing that is going on. And, and it's, it's important. And she lives alone as well.
1: You know, some folks may want to prepare their own meals, but, you know, if they're very cautious about things, they might be a little nervous about heading out to the grocery store. What would you advise?
4: Well, there's a couple of things that you can do. You know that there is grocery store that you can go online and you can order all the ingredients that you need and they will deliver it to your house. That's one thing that you can do, which is very, very safe. There's also, uh, you can also ordering ahead of time uh, to to that grocery store, and they will bring those groceries to your car.
1: I read one article, you know, there've been a lot of articles about this very unusual Thanksgiving, and some people have decided apparently just to have their favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal, only maybe a side dish or even just dessert.
4: What do you think about that? I think that's, uh, that's, that's great because it is still part of the tradition. So, for example, if you do the turkey breast, the great thing about the turkey breast is that you can roast that turkey breast. You will have all that feeling, that everything, a feeling of normalcy, I would say, because you will have the, the, the aroma and, and, and that cooking process, and, and it's fun to do it. And I think that's, that's, that's a good way to do it. Um, you know, side dishes, you know, people love to do like, uh, you know, that cranberry sauce. That you can do many different ways. You it can be part of not only one day, but part of of the whole week. So you can really celebrate uh, from Thanksgiving all the way to 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 Sunday by doing some a cranberry turkey sandwich. By doing you know so there's so many things you can do with it. So I am for it. Uh, I, I think that's a great idea. Stuffing. Instead of a stuffing, you can do a casserole. And the casserole will be, you know, that, that, that it will be, a stuffing will be a little bit different. You can put some sausage in your stuffing, for example. And then it will bring a sense of normalcy.
1: Mm. Any recommendations on desserts for Thanksgiving that aren't pies well, you
4: know, I still you still have to talk about pies because yes, a well, yes. <laughs> We'd be a pumpkin pie, but you can do a sweet potato pie. You can do an apple pie. Uh you can do you can do so much. But I love to do a pecan, pumpkin cheesecake, a coconut cake, a salted caramel cheesecake, uh apple tartata, gluten-free chocolate pistachio cake. You can do so many different things. And I think that it's important to to do some things, maybe it was going to be a little bit different. There is a recipe that I do once in a while at the house, which is a passion fruit uh, cake, which is so delicious because passion fruit are are really bountiful right now. So you take those fresh uh, passion fruit. I do it with gluten-free flour, which is made with uh, almond meal. It is delicious. A little bit of frosting on top, but not too much sugar. So it really keeps it in balance. So, you know, have fun with it. That sounds wonderful.
1: I, I was also wondering about adult beverages. You, you have a very special kind of martini that you wanted to tell us about.
4: <laughs> well, you know what? Knowing that this is the cranberry season, what about if you take the cranberry out of the cranberry sauce and you make it a cranberry martini? You know, it's just looking outside the box and I like to do it with a little bit of lemongrass. I have lemongrass growing in the, in, uh, at the house, which is really, really awesome. But, you know, do a little bit of bubbles and don't, don't forget that, you know, you can do it those, those champagne cocktail, but there is also the rest of the family who is there. What about to making some mocktail for the kids? Because like this, they are part of the celebration. It is not, it's a family tradition. It is not only for the adults. So this is a great way to do it.
1: What about wine? What's a good wine to pair with a Thanksgiving meal?
4: You know, if it's bubbles, you know, a Prosecco, or sparkling rosé, even, you know, a, a just a nice, nice, uh, rich Cremant de Bourgogne would be just perfect. But I love rosé. Rosé and turkey, it's just, it's just heaven. It is so good. Uh, on the whites, you know, Pinot Grigio, Pinot Gris. Uh, uh, I would say a Chardonnay, a nice Chardonnay uh, like, you know, Rombauer, for example, is nice and rich and creamy, which is really good. Um, When it comes to reds, you know, Pinot Noir, saint Jovese, Grenache, you know, a a lighter red really worked out really well with that. But some people like to have a beer with it as well. So if you want a beer, I would say I will go for a red hell or something who has, has, or brown hell, something who has, I would say some weight to it.
1: Okay. So... People who are listening to this and are going to do their best to prepare a rather traditional Thanksgiving meal, what should they be doing today? Maybe right now to get ready for the
4: feast tomorrow. Make sure you brine your turkey. Brine your turkey right now. If it's a whole turkey, you need to brine it. Um, yeah, you need to brine it right away, and it won't be brine, I would say enough. But if you're doing a breast, it would be just perfect so i would say brine your turkey make your cranberry sauce bake your desserts um, get your vegetables ready Um, don't forget to get the wine and uh, make some cookies as well i mean you know it's not only just you know a pumpkin pie or any other desserts but i think that the kids love cookies i love cookies
1: Everybody loves cookies. <laughs> now, Indeed. I know, I know, Chef, that you're going to be working tomorrow, uh, maybe for most of the weekend. But how will you be celebrating this year?
4: Well, uh, as you say, I will be here, but I'm going to celebrate with everyone here at the Lowy Beach and Takes Up and the Shores because, you know, they are my family. Uh, all the rest of my family is in France, so they are my family, and this is what I will be doing. And most likely on Sunday, I will go to Julian for a um, just a quick maybe Julian Hopper Hard Cider, just to celebrate the upcoming season of the holidays, not only Thanksgiving, but also Christmas and New Year's, and just put you in the mood, it's going to be nice and cool in the mountains.
1: It will be. You know, it's, I think it's so important for all of us to remember the things that we're grateful for this year. It's been such a difficult year. I know that I'm grateful for my health, for my family, and for the people who listen to
4: this show. What are some of the things you're grateful for, Chef? I'm grateful for for my family. I know they are in France, but you know, we, we, we are closer now than ever because somehow we check on each other much more, I'm grateful that I have more time to really enjoy our region. And, you know, it's a new start. It's a new beginning. And we still need to go through this very tough time. But the light is at the end of the tunnel. And I think by spring next year, we will have a sense of normalcy. will come back and life will be good again.
1: I think we're all hoping for that. Chef Bernard Gilles, thank you so much. I, I can't tell you, it's been wonderful to talk with you
4: again. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, happy holidays to you and your family. And, uh, and, and thank you, KPBS.
7: Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen.